Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hi, and welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am Meredith Bond, here with my beautiful co-host. I'm Prue Warren. <laughs> You're looking very nice today, Prue. You're such a sweet talker. Oh my, <laughs> oh my God. You know, you look at yourself in a Zoom camera and it's like, oh no, who is that? I know. Uh, uh-huh, I need like uh, filters and Vaseline on the lens. <laughs> You're very kind. You're very kind. You look lovely as well, but you always look lovely. So that's no surprise. <sighs> so today, Prue, we are finally going to talk about tropes. Ugh. Tropes are so interesting. I fought against tropes for the whole beginning of my career. Only recently have I come to accept them. So I'm so uh, gratified that you said that because when I started writing romance, you know, if you write in a trope, it means you're cheating. It means you're taking a shortcut. It's bad. It's a negative. People don't like tropes. And then when I entered the romance world, it became it became shorthand for the experience that people wanted to have anyway, which confused me. How has how is it possible that the romance world is the only place where a trope makes people reassured and happy? Everywhere else, a trope is a bad thing. Help me. No, that's not true. Um, if you, I last week I wrote my blog post on tropes, and my blog readers are writers from all different genres. They're not just romance writers, and so I looked up mystery tropes just for fun, and there are standard mystery tropes that are expected. That's interesting. Just like there are in romance. It's just that romance has a hell of a lot more. <laughs> so that's very interesting. So uh, my bias against tropes is coming from an uneducated place. Yeah, maybe. Or it's coming from the same place probably that mine was, which is that, yeah, you feel like you're cheating. Right. You and not only that, but you're taking somebody else's idea. This isn't your idea. Right? Very good. Very good, Meredith. Very good. That's that's right. That's right. I hadn't thought of it in that way, but that's right. However, if you stop and think about it, in fact, you know, there's this theory that there are, are only seven stories in the world and we just keep reusing <laughs> them. Right, there are only 12 notes in a scale, and yet all of music. Exactly. Yeah. And so knowing the tropes allows you to then play with them and twist them and turn them on their heads. And that's where the creativity lies. And I love love you make it. 
your own. This is this is a parallel to um, when I first read um, Alexander Sokolov's book, Writing Love, which was, I think, in the show notes last week, mm-hmm. um, which was where I learned that the romance skeleton is very consistent, that you have you have a, a meet cute, you have a, a dark moment, you have a happily ever after, that there are the three-act structure, etc. It seemed to me at first to be so formulaic. And yet, like 12 notes on a scale, you have a formula and then you build something around it that that is satisfying and new. So, mm-hmm. so tropes are the same thing. Yes. I'm having a little eureka moment here i love this concept that that you can you can go to a trope and use a trope and not be cheating or using someone else's idea because you're making it your own exactly i like it i yeah. dig it okay not only that but romance readers in particular are very married to their tropes you know when you are looking for a new book to read and you go to amazon what do you type in the search bar? Do you type in Cinderella story? Do you type in rom-com? Do you type in billionaire? Right. Right? That's right. That's what you're going to do. This is, okay, I'm having another eureka moment because I think the value of romance novels is that you are not, you were, this is not a, a time to challenge yourself emotionally by reading some gripping drama. A romance is a place for an escape where you are able to go through emotions and love and know that at the end, it's going to end happily. This is, right. this is how you escape from your world. It's not how you explore your world. This is pure joy. Yeah. So the idea that a trope can help you get to that joy faster is perfect for the romance world. No wonder this. There are so many romance tropes. Um, this is you, you. You are leading me brilliantly, darling. Brilliantly. <laughs> but I've interrupted you. Okay, we we. I've gone to Amazon and I've typed in um, "unsuspected baby" or right, right "surprise baby" or Surprise something because baby. those are the romances. Cowboy romance, um, Amish romance. Yes. And Amazon has presented me with my opportunities. Yes, absolutely. Um, And also what's very interesting about tropes is that there are actually two types of tropes. There are plot tropes and there are character tropes. I'm writing it down. (laughs) (laughs) Plot tropes, I feel like I've gotten a bit of a, a little bit of a handle on it, but character tropes, that's so interesting. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, I'm just going to um, look at Mindy Klasky's fantastic list of romance tropes. Mindy right? Klasky, fantastic list of romance tropes. Really? She, MindyKlasky.com. Fantastic list. Yes, it's MindyKlasky.com slash index.php slash four writers slash romance tropes. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Mindy, just, a, just an aside, he's... Yeah is uh, an instinctive mentor to romance novelists for generations. She's phenomenal. Just yes. have to say, she's been so helpful to me. She's been so helpful to me. She's and a she's a hell of a writer. Sweet person. 
But just so I'm just I just have her website open and I'm just looking at the first couple of tropes. So she has them in alphabetical order. The first one is accidental pregnancy. Okay, that's a plot trope. The second one is alpha hero, hero or heroine. That's a character trope. Ah, right. I see. I see what you're doing here. Okay. All right. Then let me ask you further down her list. She's got firefighter. Right. That's a character trope. Cowboys on the list. Is cowboy a plot trope or a character trope? I suppose it doesn't matter. It. I think. I think that it's a character trope. Because even as she defines it, she defines it sometimes an alpha hero, a cowboy can be a historical or contemporary in his element on the ranch or out of his comfort zone in the city. Uh, So that's a character. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. Um, Cyrano, the next one is also really interesting because Cyrano himself is a character trope, but the Cyrano de Bergerac story is a plot trope. It's a plot trope. Right. Used again and again and again, brilliantly. Absolutely. It's a fantastic one. It is. So she's got a fantastic list here of both character and plot tropes. You know, she resisted. I looked at that list before we began speaking. And she resisted something that I would find it very hard to resist for saying things like Cyrano. I mean, you have to write in as seen in. Steve Martin's movie, Roxanne, right? I mean, you'd have to, mm-hmm. she, she resists the impulse to say, here's an example. And I think that's impressive because there are a lot of them in here. Like one of them is um, sex worker with a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, obviously that's uh, um, Julie Robertson, Richard Gere, pretty, pretty woman. Pretty woman. Right. Right. So it's like, you could go through this list and go, oh yeah, that's this one. Oh yeah. That's this one. <laughs> It is very, it's very valuable shorting. It really is. So when I started plotting my last series, my Ladies Wagering Whist Society series, I started with character tropes. That's how I started my plotting. So I had eight women and I just went down all of the different character tropes that they could be. And each woman was a different trope. Okay, I, now you can give me examples. For example, give me three or four of your characters and their tropes. Okay, uh, for example, um, uh, Hand for the Duke, the um, the member Heroine. of the Ladies Wagering Whist Society, who is the a major character in the book, is Lady Ayres, and she is the bold, outspoken older woman who doesn't give a shit about what other people think, what she says. I want that. Right. I so that's, play, I, I'm going to take on a character trip. That's the world I want. <laughs> I know. I thought it was a great one. She softened up when I actually started writing her. So she's not quite so outspoken, but that's her, that's where she, her character started. It gave me some place to ground myself. I knew this character and then as I added her backstory and other characters around her, she evolved into the person she became. Ah, and it gave me a starting point. Was going to be my next question to you. Are there eight books in the Ladies Wagering with Society? Because nine, there are actually nine. Aha, yes. you picked up someone else. And do you feel there's an evolution of each of those characters? 
their flaws have become assets or? Um, there is definitely because each one is the focus of one book. And so in that book, that person generally grows. Um, a lot of them, because a lot of them are older ladies, are not the main hero or not the main heroine. Mm -hmm. um, but they are a secondary romance within the book. Nice. Nice, nice. And, and the so ninth book, which is what I'm about to start writing, what I'm just beginning to plot now, is a, is a character who was through all of the books, and he gets his own book. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's so much fun. Um, so do you think, and I'm sorry, I know you have a structure for which you want to talk to when I keep interrupting you with questions. No, no, I don't. I'm just the trope is the starting point it's not where you end up yeah is that exactly. safe to assume yes absolutely so if it was a character trope um then part of the evolution is for the character to, to break out of the trope that they started if you're a bad heroine by the end you have to have learned to get in touch with your emotional side or whatever mm-hmm that can be something or they can stick to the trope throughout the book and that it's just, you know, a feature of their character. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're a cowboy. They're a cowboy. Right. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm my, my computer is open to Mindy's page and I'm looking at runaway bride or groom is a trope, mm -hmm. but of course you can't have a romance novel if the runaway bride continues to be a runaway bride <laughs> some point she addresses her fears and finds her happiness. Absolutely. So you know, it's, it's interesting because, uh, because if you type in runaway bride stories, you don't expect the bride to continue running away. So these tropes are the starting point. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm looking at tropes in a new way. I've interrupted you 15 times. Meredith. That's okay. I don't remember what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did say, you had written to your newsletter list. Yes, I wrote to my newsletter list because as, since I'm beginning to plot out my next series, I wanted to know what tropes my readers really enjoy. Now, now, when you say your readers, you said initially that the people on your newsletter list are writers. No, Is no, right? in my blog, I have two different things. I have uh -huh. a blog. My blog on my website is geared towards writers. I have a writing blog that I don't know about. How can you not know about my blog, Prue? Tell me the email. Tell me the address. It's and just I'll go to MeredithBond.com. MeredithBond.com. What's that again? MeredithBond.com. M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H-B-O-N-D. All one word. MeredithBond.com. I'm going to say for your blog i can't believe that i have not subscribed to it yet uh, okay so now now i have two I, questions what did you say in your blog and what did you say in your newsletter okay <laughs> sorry sorry so my blog is geared towards writers i blog on writing and self-publishing topics every sunday morning you can find a new blog post there i'll tell you what meredith i feel bad that i didn't know that beforehand 
but come on, this is the 21st episode or maybe the 22nd episode of our, of our podcast. And you've never said it before. I We're all writers. Meredithbond.com. Okay. Once again, an interruption. I'm That's sorry. fine. Continue. So last week on my blog, I was talking to writers about tropes. Okay. On, in my newsletter, which is geared towards my readers, I asked them what they like to read, what tropes they like to read. And I gave them seven options. And then the eighth option was anything else, write to me. Email me and tell me what you like. So um, of the 2,700 people I emailed in my ah, newsletter list. That's a, oh, that's a big number. <laughs> yeah. Happy. 30%, a little under 30% opened up my email and Pretty read it. Good. Pretty good. It's not great, but it's not horrendous. Please, I'm getting 25, and I only have 258 people on my list. <laughs> so it's pretty good to me. So of those people who opened it, 87 people responded to my survey. Pretty good. Okay. So 87 people. Um Plus a few who emailed me personally, you know, privately. Um, the number one trope that people liked was enemies to lovers. I thought that was interesting. I do too. I think that's interesting. Number two was the marriage of convenience. Ah. And number three was trapped together. Mm -hmm. Two people first mm -hmm. to be together share a bed right either share a bed or trapped in a country house or right. trapped in you know a barn because their carriage broke down whatever it sure. is. desert island desert island yeah um after that was mistaken identity interesting which uh was on par with friends to lovers <laughs> um <laughs> Fake relationships was was quite high. Surprisingly, very few people liked the Cinderella trope. Okay. Um, and okay, then some other ones that other people wrote to me and said that they liked very much were a second chance romance, mm -hmm. uh, Beauty and the Beast, mm -hmm. road trips, and mm -hmm. a hero or heroine with a disability. I'm writing these down. So, of course, I asked about his specifically tropes that are used in historical romance. Because yeah, I think that's I think that's an important point because your readers have, have gathered together because they love your historical romances. Exactly. So these are historical romance specific. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Although. There's not a one of them that could not be applied to contemporary or almost or you know sci-fi or paranormal or whatever. I mean, they're all yeah, they're all possible. Yes, they are. They are absolutely. I I was deliberately trying to make them more generic. So the first the first seven are the you did you send them out a survey? Yeah. So as part of my newsletter, I could put I can add in a survey. Mm -hmm. You know, where they just click. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What was annoying was I tried to, I said, you know, when I set it up that they can choose many answers. 
but then people emailed me and said they tried to choose many answers and couldn't. And they couldn't. Which is why they ended up emailing me and sending me their list, (laughs) which is fine. That's so funny. So the first seven of them were suggested and the last four were volunteered. Exactly. That's so interesting. Um, You know, a fellow member of the um, Washington Romance Writers chapter of Romance Writers of America Mm -hmm. is Meg Napier, who is beginning her her self-publishing career, and she does specifically second chance um, romances. And her the one she's coming out with now has the guy has a disability. It's so interesting to see these tropes and identify. I'm, I'm beginning to be able to spot them as they come over the horizon. So, so this I think this awareness is going to be valuable to me. It is because once you know, just like. With writing, once you know the rules, then you can break them. Right. So once you know the trope, you can turn it on its head or give it a twist and make it your own. I think, I'm sorry, I, now I'm going to be utterly selfish. For Sin in the Peanut Butter Cup, I don't think I fit in any of those tropes. You do. You have a caper. A caper. <laughs> it's a caper. <laughs> it is so much a caper, which makes it so fun. That's why it makes it fun, because you know as soon as the caper starts, you are so well aware of that, and you just keep, you cannot stop turning those pages, because you know that every page is going to be filled with something else and something else and something else, and it's so much fun. That's lovely. That's lovely. I love having, I love having a trope. It's a caper. It is a caper. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> Thank you, Mary Paul. Okay. So your readers responded to the survey. Did, were there any responses to your blog about tropes? Did the writers have? No, nobody. No, What's, nobody ever. How little writers write. Why aren't they more chatty? I, I have begged and pleaded and even tried to bribe my blog readers to make comments. And nobody ever does. I don't know what it is. I've given up. <laughs> I, I shout at them and they all click the like button. And... <laughs> Every writer, I've learned now. I mean, I go to my Amazon page to read my reviews like a compulsive, right? Oh. I'm compulsive about it and worried that the next book won't get reviews like that, right? I'm, I'm just like, the, the feedback that somebody provides is so gorgeous yeah. that it's really a shame that the writers are not responding to requests from other writers for some feedback. Oh, no. uh, oh, incidentally, just a just a side point. Glory gave us a comment on our website about this podcast, which yeah. was very flattering. Lovely. So from now on, when I say our listener, <laughs> I'm, thinking glory. I'm thinking of Glory, who took the time, like a saint, to provide some feedback to the creative force, and for that. 
50 years off her time in purgatory for whatever crime she did. <laughs> Heaven, 50 years earlier because she provided the feedback. Glory, you are my hero. I thank, thank you, you, Glory. Thank you so much. And you know what, listener? You too can be like Glory. <laughs> you too can be a Glory. You can find Glory in <laughs> leaving feedback. Even if it's not for the podcast, if you like a book, for God's sakes, go on Amazon or Goodreads or something and write a review. Oh, it's so important. Oh, my God. My family will thank you if you write a decent review or even a non-decent review because it just sets me up for like hours and days. So I've walked away from tropes. Sorry. I've I've allowed my emotions to overcome me. (sighs) Okay. Where do you think is the best place? Uh, Mindy's list of tropes is gorgeous, and there are 70 of them. Yes. But you Googled um, mystery tropes. I Googled mystery tropes, indeed. Um, And uh, on my blog, when you go to my blog, you will find my list of mystery tropes. Um, The the link to the mystery tropes that I found. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I found them, hang on, I'm going to my blog because I don't remember. <laughs> I'll go to your blog. I'll go to your blog. Um, I found it at alltropes.org. Alltropes.org. Yes, and you know is what's funny what is say? I looked there, I searched there for romance tropes, and I it didn't get it. It didn't understand my search. So, okay. Um, well, that alone is very interesting because romance is is such a you know redheaded stepchild in the literary world, despite the fact that romance writers by far outsell every other genre in the mm-hmm. fiction world by far, and yet we are looked down upon by all the tropes.org. That's pretty fascinating. I don't know it that they look down on us, it just the their search engine didn't get it. That's because they hadn't organized it. If you want mystery tropes, it pulls up a list. If you yeah. want paranormal, I bet it pulls up a list. But if you want romance, forget it. You're on your own. Thank God for Mindy Kalaski. Yes. And if you write historical romance like I do, the Risky Regencies blog has a very good list of tropes Risk as well. Re- blog. Risky Regencies. It's a really, it's a very good um, Regency romance blog. I'm making a note because I think you should include a um, a link in the show notes. Yes, I will. Absolutely. All the uh, all the tropes.org, Risky Regency blog, Meredith Bond blog, and Mindy Klasky. Ah, Mindy Klasky, indeed. Okay, so we've got some beefy show notes. Yeah. Okay, listener. Glory, you have access to all tropes you could possibly want and a good identifier of why you would want them. When I started to publish Sit in the Peanut Butter Cup, you walked me through how to set that up on Amazon, particularly, although all the sites I listed it on did the same thing. And they asked me for my keywords. Mm -hmm. So... If I had written a cowboy romance, I would have put in cowboy. If I'd written a Regency, I would have put in Regency. All of these tropes, plot tropes, character tropes, I can identify my book by that trope. So the reader who 
sits down after a long day and says, if I don't have a firefighter romance, I'm just going to kill my husband. So quick, give me a firefighter romance. If I had identified as firefighter, when I set that up, I would, I would there be there to fulfill this woman's desire to not kill her husband. It's a very valuable field we're in. Yes. <laughs> but that's the, but I think that's a very important, that's an important point. This is the intersection between plotting and marketing because the trope not only defines the story you're going to write, but it defines the way someone else is going to find the story. Exactly. You know, around. So, so I do hope that for Santa and the Peanut Butter Cup, you have FBI agent as one of your keywords. No, I don't. Because I have rom-com I have... is a, a very important trope. FBI agent. I, why didn't we talk about tropes before I <laughs> we can always go in and go change back to it. all 10 of my sites and put in FBI agent. FBI agent, and you should also put in caper. Oh my God. Right? Nobody would look up caper. Really? Someone would say, I need a caper? Yeah, why not? You can yeah. even put in madcap caper. <gasps> madcap caper. <laughs> caper, <comma>, madcap. Woo! <laughs> Okay. Well, I've, now I'm going to go back and uh, change a few things. Yeah. Because this trope discussion has helped me to identify the, some valuable information, and it's valuable for you too, Glory, <laughs> and other listener, if you're out there not typing anything. The trope is not just the outline of the book you're going to write; it's the key to marketing your book and to your book being found. Yes. So if you defy a trope, if you are the person who comes up with the 71st romance trope, Mindy's list has 70 on them, uh, on it. Um, yes, I counted because I'm a nerd. If you come up with the 71st romance trope, then you are a maverick. You are bold. You are forward reaching. But you also have to take that into consideration when you're doing your marketing. Yes. And or ask me to add her to it to your list because well, Amazon is probably using the Mindy list too. <laughs> but see, one trope that I forgot to put in my list and only thought of it afterwards when I sent out my list to my newsletter readers is one that I don't think Mindy would put into her list. What? An American in Regency London. Which is, I think, a very popular Regency yes. trope. Yes, very. Um, it's the Henry Miller Daisy. Uh, oh shoot! Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But yes, that's right. Because that's right. A, a lot of my readers are Americans, and it, even though it's still historical, it it's sort of a twist on the traditional it, Regency. Well, right? but you could also do. Uh, a Scot in Regency London. You could. There are a lot absolutely. of Scottish people in Regency romances. Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We could do. We could. We could just spend the entire time going. Oh, I know. Here's another one. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, how about this one? <laughs> there are so many tropes, and you can have such fun with them, and you can really, you can get so creative with the tropes. And so it just makes, it makes plotting so much fun. 
I think the plotting is so much fun because just you've just suggested like an American in London, all of a sudden I can see a story. Right. Exactly. That it's the it's the it's the skeleton to your story, but it's not the muscles, it's not the it's not the skin, it's not the And you don't have to have just one trope per story, by the way. So one of my uh most cowboy Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cowboy enemies enemies to lovers. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, you were saying one of your one of my more popular Merry Men books is uh, Rake's Reward, which is an American in Regency London with a treasure hunt. <laughs> a treasure hunt. I like the idea of a treasure hunt. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go buy that one. <laughs> Fantastic. It's so um, much fun. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm looking at, at the timer. Okay. Two minutes yeah. left in order to keep our self-imposed limit so mm-hmm. that you can not bore people. Uh, next week, we were planning on dialogue as our topic. Oh, that's um, But in two weeks, I wondered, we were going to do working with an editor. Did you get your editor to agree to, to chat with us? I have not heard back from her. So I, I will give her a little nudge okay. and, and ask. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's because, fine. yes, I yeah. asked her if she could come on either next week or the week after. Okay. Um, because, yeah, she is really sweet. She's really, really knowledgeable. And you gave me a list of fantastic questions for her, which I forwarded on. And <laughs> so I'm just waiting for her to get back. Don't I always have a list of questions? I mean, I am one constant question. What am I supposed to do now? (laughs) All right. So let's assume that next week, Glory will be driving or doing her laundry or on the treadmill listening to a podcast about dialogue. And if it turns out to be working with an editor, then she will be delighted. I'm certain that she will. Because... My editor is actually quite a delight. So excellent. That's um, once again, Glory wrote us a review, and we love her for it. And once again, we mock and are slightly contemptuous of writers who do not respond and give feedback. <coughs> feedback can be provided on the writers blockpartypodcast.com and uh, stars or hearts or whatever form of review can be provided on wherever you got your podcast. And when you do, you will help us draw attention to our own, to my, my ignorance and Mary's wisdom. Uh, so or Mary's ignorance and Prue's wisdom. Mm, yeah. That's going to happen. It happens. Yeah, yeah sure it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you want to talk about fundraising? I'm, I'm all over fundraising. Uh, so you should review us and rank us and chat us up because we think we're pretty awesome. <laughs> and we would like to know what you would like to hear. Oh, that's even better than me begging for comments. Good for you. <laughs> if there is a topic that you would like us to cover, do not hesitate to tell us. Amen. That's exactly right. I can be ignorant on almost any topic. <laughs> I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. 
Meredith, it's been a delight as always. As always, Prue. Well, I'll talk lovely. to you and to Glory next week. And to all of our other listeners, we know <laughs> that you're out there and we love you. Well, and but we love you. <laughs> let us know that you're there. That's all. <laughs> all right, I'll be good. All right. Thank you, Meredith. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week.